Hey, what's up everyone? Uh, Shad Johnson here. Uh, yeah, that sounds weird when I say my full name, but I figure I should start doing that now so people know who actually does the podcast. Um, thank you for listening to another Snakebite BMX podcast. Uh, this is number 25 to be exact. Uh, we're brought to you with the help from uh, all the writers over at digbmx.com. If you're looking for up-to-date BMX coverage, follow them over on Instagram, subscribe to their YouTube or just follow them on your favorite social media platform, or just kind of you know hit up their website digbmx.com. Um, today I got to sit down uh, with a, just a real BMX legend, at least in my eyes. I think to a lot of people, uh, especially when you were growing up in the Northwest, I got to sit down with Josh White. Um, I was super excited for this one, but unfortunately, my old recorder decided to uh, die at the end, so. This interview is missing about 20 minutes towards the end of it. Um, we've decided uh, to that this is going to be a part one, and Josh and I are going to sit down and record a part two to finish it up in the near future. Uh, but until then, I hope you enjoy what we have here, and here we go. Sitting here with uh, Josh White, our buddy Chris, who you grew, you know, you kind of grew up with Josh. You were probably a little Grom. Or Some little know Grom. him as Yankee. Yankee, Yankee Doodle. <laughs> been around the Northwest scene, but absolutely. Yeah, I'm super psyched to sit down with you. Um, I mean, being an here. Oregon guy and you're an Oregon guy. Absolutely. I'm, you know, and there's a little bit of timminess. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of excited about it. But I'm excited too. Our paths haven't crossed very often. You know, I've, I've kind of lay low as most people. Well, and you were I, like the generation. Before yeah, me, before you, yeah. and I grew up out in the sticks, so I never even really got to. I mean, you did. You didn't even really go to NAFA contest, did you? Did. Like the North American freestyle. No, you kind of were already left and everything. Yeah, I left uh, Ashland in. Um, I mean, I went. I was in Ashland from kindergarten through high school. So I graduated in '85, '86. I moved down to Huntington Beach. Yeah, see, Ed that's Beach. what I kind of want to talk to you about because it's like I think everybody with like magazines and you know knowing you from like. You know, being a GT pro, they know a lot of people think you're from Camarillo. <laughs> no, live there. You know, but everybody doesn't know that. I wanted to kind of get a hold, you know, and I know a few people that knew you from, you know, used to ride with you in Oregon. And I kind of wanted to know a little more about, you know, your Oregon history. Because honestly, being a big time vert pro as you were coming from Oregon at that time was kind of crazy, you know? Like, yeah. Um, I- I, yeah, I mean, I thought I was over my head a, a quite a few times because I'm riding with these pros that I read about in magazines, you know, Eddie and Martin and these guys, and I'm like out of my element because I just learned how to ride like in the sticks of Oregon, you know, yeah, makeshift I mean, ramps. You grew up bumpy. in Ashland, right? Grew up in Ashland, yeah. Yeah, Ashland. Through high school. I, I mean, mean, Oregon in the 80s was really small. I mean, yeah. people think Portland now, or you know, they might think Eugene or even how Medford's gotten bigger, but the whole state was the sticks. <laughs> yeah, I mean. True. Even but, Portland was pretty small. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, how, so how did you get into riding? Like, I mean, what, because you, you, even you turn in pro at 85, for you to really get into riding, 
you know, it's going back to like, you know, it was still very new. You oh, know? I was, it was a learning process, believe me. Yeah. I was, you know, it was accelerated actually. As soon as I moved down to California, I started riding real ramps and riding with real riders because I didn't have anybody to learn from other than oh, magazines. Jerry's not going to like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, Jerry had a different style. You know, he liked wheelies and he was Baking even, a, he skated He's, a lot. And he had a lot of street style. Yes. A lot of street style. And we're talking about Jerry Dunlava, which is like a super OG Oregon guy. Super OG. Yeah. King Medford. <laughs> See, Jerry was one of the first guys. When I, the way I got into bike riding was, um, uh, I had a mongoose, you know, like everybody did. And uh, uh, my friend, my best friend in high school, his dad ran the track in uh, Medford, the, okay. race, the racetrack. Yeah, that track's been. That's one of the oldest, I think. One Oregon of the, oh, tracks. And it's still there to yeah. this day. Bear Creek. Yeah. Bear Creek. Okay, and that's where I learned how to to race and to jump and stuff. So and, you grew, uh, you started off racing. Yep. Okay. Absolutely, because freestyle didn't exist back then. It yeah. was like Bob Harrow doing. What, what year did you start racing? Was it seventies or? No, no, it was. Well, let's see. Um, it was when I was in uh, probably seventh grade. Um, so that would have been what, like eighty? Okay, eighty-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something like that. So, um, and I only raced for maybe one or two years. Yeah. And uh, there were so many times where I'd be going around the berm, and somebody would T-bone me and take me out. You know, because ra- it racing, was crazy. Racing was. It racing was, in the eighties was different than racing. Yeah, now. yeah, it was. People were just. It was just a mad dash. Okay, yeah. I got crashed, but so many times, and I just got so mad. I almost got in fights and stuff. And you know, people were like, I, I remember one time I grabbed the guy's bike and ran and he threw it. You know, because I was so mad. Yeah, and uh, it was just like this is ridiculous. If I'm going to crash, I want it to be my fault. Yeah, so I'm going to just start doing freestyle. And at that time, it was Arlen Buff or all over the magazines and freestyle didn't even exist. So the BMX action, the BMX team. action trick team. That was my inspiration. So you were, you were getting BMX action. Absolutely, that yeah. was my Bible. Are yeah, you oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my Bible. So I'd read what what tricks is Arlen Buff going to do this this week, and can I do it? Can yeah, I, can I copy it? Can I get it, do better? You know, so that was I was way more excited about that than racing. Oh my so God. you were seeing more of the uh, Arlen Buff, like the trick team stuff, than more of the cement park dudes at that time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah, I didn't really. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the the cement thing was cool. The the skate parks were cool. I didn't have any of that. But so yeah, it did that see that's what it I couldn't relate see to. That it. it felt like. That could have been on the moon. Right. Like I where can relate to it. I could see a ramp, and me and my buddies would try to build a ramp. Right. And put it in a cow pasture. Right. You know, we had right. we had quarter pipes out in cow pastures that we, right. we'd be like, I think this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So, you know, kind of probably the same thing. Absolutely. You know? and, and, you know, this was at the time, bef- kind of bef- before King of the Skate Park got big. So, yeah, King of the Skate Parks is 80. Two eighty, yeah, eighty two or eighty three. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was just starting, you know, and and so my first inspiration obviously was the the BMX action trick team, and then yeah, I started watching the guys in the skate park going, oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah, because they started going way higher, doing crazy tricks. You know, Arlen Buff, they were great and they were groundbreaking. They were you know, oh yeah yeah, but they were doing pretty I mean, simple tricks. Buff's kind of one, you know, the, he's one of the first dudes with a, a full vert ramp at his house. Oh yeah, you know, I had a PK Ripper. Are you kidding me? He was my <laughs> I had a candy apple red PK Ripper. Was my oh, that's a nice color. favorite bike I ever I loved it and you know and of course Buff was the inspiration for that yeah of course and Buff was a superstar yeah. at that time and we, we saw him drop off the bicycle source roof and so me and my friend we started dropping off roofs you know <laughs> if Buff did it it must be cool yeah you know and so but then yeah when, when as soon as I saw Mike and Eddie and Brian okay now this this is where so did you end up building a ramp here or? I, I built that little six foot Bob Harlow designed ramp yeah you know super undervert and small and yeah i put it in my driveway dirt is that the one that you post photo you doing the look back on 
I think on No, Jewish that Street. was Dave Griswold's ramp. Okay. That was in Central Point. Okay, okay. So before that, I so had my like, own. That one looked bigger than Six yeah, Feet. Yeah, no, that was his ramp. Yeah, it was okay. his, my, my first ramp. Actually, my brother posted a picture of me riding that, um, a black and white picture of me doing like a one-footed X-Up. Um, I'm not sure if it made it on my post or if it was just uh, just for me. But anyway, that was my first ramp, and I and I and that's what I rode. So it was, it was on a downhill driveway that was dirt. Yeah. So it was already not a vert ramp that was on a downhill so it was I, even up more. So under-heard. it was almost just like a jump. Yeah, you know, I can't even believe I could come back into it. You know, and so it was crazy. So when I first my first contest was Venice Beach, and those ramps were eight feet, and they still weren't vert. It would go right to vert, to vert maybe yeah. an inch, not even that. And to me, that was like, I was like, oh my god, oh yeah, these ramps, this is massive. You know, I can't even. So I would just go straight to the bottom. You know, well, and then you guys had that half pipe. I've seen pictures of you, yeah. and like, and that was later Tim, on, and Timmy. <laughs> Jerry's little brother. That was Jerry's half pipe. So, and how big was that one? That was probably, God, what was that? That ramp for the time, being in Oregon, and that time, it seemed like a big ramp for the yeah, time. Yeah, it wasn't that big. It wasn't that big. Because it looked like 16 or 12 wide, right? Yeah, it probably was. And it was probably about, I don't know if it was even 8 feet tall. Really? Honestly. Yeah. I really don't. I think it was like 6 or 7 feet tall at the most. But it might have been 8. It was a while ago. I didn't ride that actually that much. The, the half I rode more was the one we had down on um, Oak, Street. Oak Street. Yeah. Because I always heard and about, that, that was, was that the one under the bridge? No. No. That was, the, that was a jump. That yeah. was just a dirt. Oh, because everybody s- always talked about, oh, Josh had this ramp under a bridge. No, it was a dirt jump. It was just a dirt jump to flat. And he touched the bottom of the bridge? Yeah, I don't know. You know, we got pretty close. <laughs> you know how people, you just, you know, things will build and build. Yeah. And everybody would be like, oh, Josh, you know, he had a really crappy quarter pipe under a bridge in Ashland, and that's what he learned to ride on. And I was like, must be that's true. It's partly true. It's yeah. partly true, but not 100%. That was, the, that was a jump. And then what had what happened, and a lot of people don't know this, when I was, uh, what was, I was, um, I was in ninth, the 10th grade. Doing this jump and landing on flat. Yeah. Because it was a pop-out jump. It was a pop-out jump. Yeah. Yeah. And we were airing 10 feet on this thing, you know, and I'm like 14, 13 years old. Well, that takes a pound in your back. And so I compressed my L3. Completely compressed. That young? Yes. Wow. I I missed my first three months of, of, of high school because I couldn't walk. Wow. Yeah. I had to go to a chiropractor three times a week for a year. And that didn't even fix it. And uh, so what, what did fix it was just strengthening it, um, fl- uh, flexibility with stretching. I got into martial arts. Mm-hmm. I stopped riding because I couldn't ride anymore. So I started doing kickboxing. Like in freshman year? Yeah, freshman yeah. year. Exactly. And uh, didn't even own a bike. Didn't really? Own a bike. Yep. Didn't even own a bike. Just kickboxed and stretched and worked out. Started getting into weightlifting, strengthening my back, and my back just kind of fixed itself. Because you and, and you were still young enough to where your body was going right, to heal right. quick, the, quicker. The, you the know? doctor said you should never ride a bike again, for one thing, and we might have to take that disc out. So it would be bone to bone. Okay, I said no. You're not doing that. Yeah, okay. we, and, you're not, <laughs> and and looking back on that, that's a good idea because how many people do we know have? I know so many people that have had back surgeries, right? And it doesn't fix anything. The only right. thing that fixes it is them stretching, right, and working on their core and everything. That's exactly what I did, and um, and I didn't necessarily do it to fix my back. I just did it because I needed a physical outlet. I didn't have yeah. bike riding anymore, so I needed something to do. Um, my dad was the manager of Brooklyn, which was a nightclub in that pizza place, Creekside Pizza now, yeah. and so the bouncer was a world class 
kickboxer. Oh, wow. And uh, he is a lifelong friend of mine. He just recently passed away. But um, he, he's the one that taught me kickboxing. So oh, we, wow. we would have impromptu kickboxing classes at the college wrestling room and wherever we could find. He, he, didn't, have a, he didn't have an official school. And that was still kind of even new to the States back then, you know? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, they had like PK kickboxing on ESPN sometimes okay. you know, with the foam foot guards. And the, oh, I do remember you know, seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty early on. And um, and I wasn't really into bowing and belts and stuff. So I, kickboxing was perfect for me because we didn't have any of that. You know, it was just your little where you're like, yeah, yeah I, wasn't into that. I was pretty undisciplined. So we would just get in and beat each other up and it was great, but yeah. it was awesome. And it was, it was good. They were good classes. But, um, so that, and so once my back got stronger, I was like, oh, I might try this bike thing again, you know? So, and were you, did you sell friends down here that were riding some? Yeah. Gavin baby. See, every, I was going to ask you about Gavin. <laughs> he did, got me back into it. A few of my friends are like, <laughs> you know, a few of the, like Brett Hadley and a few of the dudes from Portland, they're like, Gotta ask Josh about yeah. Brett, you know about Gavin because yeah, I don't have any updates on him. Yeah, you know, and for you not listening, I mean, Gavin is a Oregon. I mean, he he could have been one of the yeah, best he was, ever. He was a good he, flatlander. He was yeah. really good. He moved around a lot. He had a little bit unstable life. Um, his mom was just kind of crazy, but uh, so they moved around a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, he was a really good rider, and he was one of my real best friends back then. Yeah, he probably was, one of the first dudes to maybe even get coverage in Oregon. Yeah, you know, yeah, he might have been. So uh, yeah, I don't have any updates on him. I haven't seen him in years and years and years. So I hope yeah, a bunch of people wanted me to ask. Yeah, like, I, has Josh talked to Gavin? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a character man. He was great. He was more of a flatlander. He did really do a lot of airs and stuff but um he was a street rider too he used to do big drop-offs and yeah i mean they're really high bunny hops and uh you know just kind of street riding. i mean back then you didn't really you know you people rode street but you, now when you look back you're like that dude was street. like when i was saying about jerry yeah when i met jerry i'm like all he did i swear was just ride street you yeah. know like when yeah. he lived in bend it's like yeah and that was before street really was a thing yeah i mean it was maybe starting to come around but yeah you know, hitting wall. You know, I, yeah. that when I met him, I was like, "What is? You know, this dude just ripping the city." Yeah. And because he was a skater, to me, it was always skating influenced Jerry's BMX, in my yeah. opinion. Because he liked to street skate, and then he would, you know, skate. I mean, um, ride on street on bike. So it was cool. I always liked to watch him ride. But I just kind of specialized in ramps. I sort of stuck yeah. with that. You know, it's like <laughs> well, a lot of people were like, so when so you started riding again, and then. I started riding again, and this all happened in a short period of time. It sounds like it's all happened on the course of years. Yeah, but if you think was, about high school, high school's so yeah, short. Six months is like forever. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's oh, like, it's yeah. like so. Yeah, I mean, I didn't ride, and then I got I got into kickboxing, and then I started riding again. That all could have probably happened in, in the course of a year, or a year or maybe two at the most. Yeah. you know, it's hard to remember the exact dates. But but you had a lot going on. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on. Yeah, I was you know smoking a lot of pot, and, and <laughs> <laughs> my parents grew it. You know, so well, I. You're in Southern Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah, I had fun in high school. And then after I got out of high school and I got sponsored by GT. Well, so how'd, the, I, how'd that happen? I mean. Okay, my mom drove me down to the Venice Beach contest. And the one in 85. Yes. So that and was like a that big, was my first a, contest. big AFA contest. Big AFA contest. First contest. First time I ever seen an eight-foot ramp. I was scared. Crap. What did you enter? It was expert class, whatever. 17 expert. 17 expert. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and uh, did best I could. Didn't, you know, didn't ride that well. I was hitting flat bottom on a, every See, air. Nor, Nori wanted me to ask you. He's well. He was telling me when we were. He was at the jam. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago we had down here in Talent. Oh, Nori was. He showed up right after you left. Oh, and then Jerry showed up too, didn't Jerry he? Jerry did show yeah, up. Yeah. Well, we knew Jerry would be late. Yeah. So, um, but Nori showed up and he was like, "Ask Josh about the '85 contest." He goes, "He goes because I remember Josh showed up at that contest and he was killing it, but he was landing low." So everybody yeah. was like. 
oh, that dude from Oregon, he seems pretty good, but he lands low. And yeah. he said, the next contest Josh showed up to, he was landing buttery smooth yes. on the things. And they're like, oh, that's cool. He's landing smooth now. But his tricks aren't held for very long. And yeah. then he said, the next contest you showed up, you were holding the tricks as long as you could. And yeah. you kind of just... Sh- we're yeah. shutting people up I every contest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I didn't want to be known as a sketchy rider. That really pissed me off. Yeah. I was smooth normally. It's just that I, I was nervous and the ramps were bigger than I was used to. And I just, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I addressed the problem. But so was Nori right on all that? Like, you, Yes, of course. Yeah. Absolutely, he was right. Nori <laughs> said, he, he made it sound like he was happy every time he saw you yeah. come and just shut somebody up on it. So. Yeah, so that's what happened. So anyway, uh, when I, at the Venice contest, um, GT must have saw something in me because they said, okay, we'll give you a free bikes. You know. Who was the GTTM at that time? Uh, Tom Buckley. Okay. So they sent me some bikes, and I, I don't even know if it was any money. Probably not. It was a couple hundred bucks or something like, like that. It was just a co-sponsorship. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so I went back up to Oregon, and that's, okay, now I started getting free bikes from GT. Okay, now I really started practicing. Was, was Monty Hill on GT at that time? No, not no, not, not quite yet. Okay, okay. Not, not that time. I was wondering, I always wondered, like, who kind of was... The first GT guy, you know? Yeah, um, Gavin introduced me to Monty. Okay. He, he took me over to his house, and he had a really cool half-pipe there. The one behind his dad's yeah, shop. Yeah, behind his dad's tool Which shop. was a pretty big ramp for the pretty time. Pretty big ramp. It was yeah. a nice ramp. It was solid, really well-built. I had never ridden a ramp that good in my life. Yeah, you know? I mean, that, that, that was awesome. That ramp's iconic in Portland. Oh. It was so. great. And he he wasn't even sponsored when I first met him, obviously. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. And I didn't really have anything to do with getting him sponsored either. I didn't, like, put a good word in for him. He did it all on his own. Yeah. You know, it was all him. So, um, good for him, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway... So, yeah, I got free bikes, started practicing seriously. I started treating it more like a job. Like, I would get up and I would say, okay, I'm going to practice for six hours a day or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'd put my gear on. I, I would. I got serious, you know, because I was like, okay, well, good things are coming. I'll probably go on tour. And sure enough, I did. I got. I went on tour with um, Brian Skura and Martin Eparillo. Went is, to, that, we, is that still in 85? Yeah, I think it was 85. Yeah, yeah, 80, yeah 85. And um, we went to Florida and did some bike shops and stuff because they had a big distributor out there. So um, that was really cool. And so I started taking it a lot more seriously you know and um stop smoking and and i started eating better and i started treating myself more like an athlete you know and uh, i remember that i just kind of like okay i remember time to get serious pictures of you back then you look like yeah i was started you know you you look like you were in super good shape i was i was in good shape i i I took it seriously i tried to train like i was an athlete you know i i really remember doing that you know because it it all started from the kickboxing you know i had had discipline from that and so it was cool you know and speaking of extensions and stuff kickboxing helped me with all that oh yeah flexibility and and all that body awareness and all that stuff so it really helped me Kickboxing was instrumental in my in my riding. Career. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for kickboxing, I probably never would have rode professionally freestyle. Really? Nope. I, I I can almost guarantee it. Yep. That's cool. I'd have just been some stoner. <laughs> no, nobody had ever heard. You'd have just been some Oregon stoner. Yeah, with Bruce Lee posted on his wall. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So anyway, so I owe a lot to martial arts. Yeah. In a way, so it holds a special place in my heart. And so to me, you can't separate the two. I martial arts and freestyle are, are like this. For they me. they work hand Absolutely. in hand with each other. Absolutely. For you, Absolutely. So. Yeah. To this day, I still smoke. Well, and in martial arts, I mean, you're expressing yourself with that, <laughs> just like with BMX, you're expressing yourself. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. So. Yeah. It's a lot of discipline and, and uh, you know, it's just a beautiful art. Freestyle is a beautiful art and so is, so yeah. is martial arts, you know? I plan on going to Thailand this year uh, and to the that's the mecca of kickboxing. Yeah. Because I joined a Thai gym in Huntington Beach uh, when I was living with Hans Ray and uh, that took it to a whole other level for me. Thai boxing, to me, that's... That is kickboxing. Yeah, that's the that they they invented it. Yeah, and then Americans they kind of just watered it down. 
we don't use knees and elbows and, and leg kicks and stuff like that as much as they do that in, in MMA now. But yeah. The American kickboxing was watered down version of Thai boxing. Because everybody was worried about getting hurt. Getting hurt, lawsuits yeah. and all stuff. Yeah, because elbows and knees are very dangerous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm going to be bored if somebody's like, yeah, you have an elbow. Yeah, elbows are. Oh, yeah. They're just I mean, little razor blades. They'll cut you right open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's brutal. And no. those guys, they use them just like a punch. You yeah, know, it's like a punch because you and you're so, not, you're gonna hurt your hands way faster than your elbows. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you know yeah. And then they, a tie clinch is when you grab behind somebody's neck and you pull it down into your knees. I've I've actually done that before. <laughs> <laughs> it's called it has a name called a tie clinch. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so then I went to the second the, the second contest I went to was the Huntington Beach contest. Yeah. Which I just posted a picture on my Instagram account a couple weeks ago. Was that the one where you were doing like the one, one hand one, one hand, foot, one foot X up? You know, it's funny. As I saw that, because my buddy Bruce, because you weren't doing an inward one hand X, you were doing the outward one. Yeah. And we call those soupsters. That's, you know, in the late 90s, they got popular. And they're called soupsters. My buddy Bruce Crispin, who won the X Games, he's from Tigard, Oregon. Oh. Um, you know, and I always love it when a dude from Oregon, like, blows up. Because usually they're just these, like, little small town, like, kind of redneck dudes. And I always am like, oh. You're down fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, and my buddy Bruce, you know. That's my people. Yeah. Uh, he was, like, a state champion wrestler. He won that. But he got really well known for the soupster. And I'm like. I, I was like, I never remember anybody doing those until the 90s. And I saw that photo of you doing it. And I'm like, God, I'm like, Josh is doing them at 85. <laughs> like, and I just, I don't ever remember, see, you know, and I'm all nerdy about it. Do you remember my photo session with Freestyling? I remember a few. With the, uh, the Wendy Osborne pictures? And the one with the you doing like the one foot grizz and the no foot. The no foot invert on the cover, right? No, the cover was the really small picture of me doing a no, no footed one handed can can. Okay, I do remember that one. Then you had that other one that was the tour one where you were doing the no-foot invert right. on the cover. Well, in that photo session, I did a one-handed, one-footed X-up, and it was a really good one. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody really noticed it, or like, I, I never got anybody commenting on that for some yeah. reason. Nobody said, hey, Because the bike for- definitely won't, especially back then you didn't really pinch your seat or anything, you know, to hold your bike steady yeah. like people do now. And I just feel like it really, doing it one-handed would really want to get away from you, yeah. especially... And how weird the bikes rode back and another then. thing I didn't do that was different than a lot of people <clears throat> was like if like Brian and Mike and Eddie and those guys the skate park guys because yeah. they had to be under serious control riding those huge concrete bowls yeah. you had to be so stable so all their one footers and their one hand one footers they would lock their cranks into place with their brakes okay you know so when they did a one footer their cranks were level yeah you know and then they would because they wanted to know where their pedals were yeah yeah I never did that I just I never locked my brakes so I just my cranks just spun they did whatever they wanted to <laughs> and, and that's I kind of had a looser style yeah uh, my style was kind of like more aggressive and looser because I didn't worry about because to me I was too stiff you know well, I mean, and so yeah when I look at it you were I mean I mean Brian Mike I mean everybody you know everybody's icons you know but yeah. I feel like when you came out you really did push variations you know mm-hmm. and like you know like Pretty hard to where I feel like some of the writing you did was really a precursor to early 90s vert writing with some of those really heavy variations, like, you know, a few combos, you know, like when you're mm-hmm. doing like no foot can X-ups mm-hmm. and stuff, it's like, that, you know, you were doing that and then maybe Joe Johnson or Matt came in and started doing yeah. that stuff after you, but like that stuff was really gnarly for like, what, 86, 87, you know? Does everybody know that Joe Johnson is the inventor of the tail whip? Does he ever get credit for Oh, that? yeah. He, gets, he, he does? He okay. gets, oh, he, I wasn't sure because he definitely well, did the first tail whip on Mike the Mike was the first one. Mike almost – Dominguez almost did him. He had sequence doing a 360 tail whip out of the uh, combi bowl, popping really? out and getting it under 
his wow, legs. I didn't know that. I, I think that's the thing with Dominguez is he did so much stuff and he didn't really even care. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, I mean, he, like, he invented the 900. He invented 900. He invented... Uh, there's a sequence of him when he was on Hutch in Florida riding... Um, what's that big Florida skate park? I'm having a brain fart right now. It's like one of the oldest in the country. Kona. Oh, Kona, yeah. Um, and there's like this snake run and they built like an extension, like a cement extension... I remember seeing Hoffman hit that thing in a contest, you know, in the early 2000s. And you're like, oh, he's going pretty high. And I'm flipping through an American freestyler. And here you got Dominguez hitting it on a Hutch Trickstar in 85 doing like eight, nine feet out of it. Yeah. Going higher than Matt, you yeah. know, on a bike. I mean, Trickstars were squirrely. Yeah. You know, those tiny little forks. Steep head angle. Yeah. And more of a ground bike than anything yeah. else. <laughs> so he's roasting out of it on that. And then he does a pedal stall, like almost like a peg stall. On it and goes back in and I'm like, did that? Yeah. You know, just for his brain to work like that, I was just like, I saw him do a pedal picker drop in one time. Yeah. Is that amazing? I couldn't believe that. All those old drop in tricks are pedal picker drop in. I witnessed it. I was like, oh my god, Mike Dominguez. I mean, that's like such a that's a Wilkerson thing to do. Yeah. You know, that's not Mike Dominguez. You do it. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't ever. I can't remember picturing Mike ever even do flatland trick. Yeah, and he had a freewheel. You know, pedal pickers yeah, for yeah, yeah. legs. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's so I was so impressed. I was that's like, like a Dino DeLuca Wilkerson type trick. Yes, you know, like, absolutely. I mean, I was so impressed. I was like, damn, that guy, he's, he's so talented. It but, pissed me off sometimes how good he was. Yeah, <laughs> but Joe totally gets, you know, I, I, you know, young kids coming up, I mean, they learn tail whips before they learn tabletops, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people, when it comes up, everybody knows Joe invented that. And then the double tail whip, not too long afterwards, yeah. you know, so... Yeah. And then Jose Yanez invented the backflip. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not saying he invented the backflip, but on a BMX bike, he kind of did. Yeah. Right. I mean, and so that just, so he was ahead of his time. Of course, that was the only trick he knew. Yes. So he wasn't really a rider. He just did a backflip. That's it. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think most people know that. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, so you started getting really known from those contests for like just crazy variations. Yeah. After the Huntington Beach contest, I upped my game quite a bit. Then they gave me a full factory sponsorship, okay. which, which was great. You know, and like, then we're, we're the vert riders. I mean, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, it's like the vert riders were you and Eddie then, right? Pretty much. But Eddie's always been more of a cement skate park guy. Right. Of, right. So you know? yeah, it was just, uh, as far as GT goes, yeah, it was just me and was Eddie. Ed, was Eddie riding those quarter pipe contests AFA? No. He'd ride like the flat contests, wouldn't he? Um, so, no, because Martin was. I mean, I remember seeing footage <laughs> of Eddie riding like the flat. You know, I've seen some online and stuff. But yeah, yeah, Eddie was more of just like king of skate parks. Yeah, and then he was transitioning to I don't know what. He was um, doing he was shows. More, he was he was almost like I I saw him as more of like a GT ambassador. Yeah, because he didn't really he was out of you know out of a skate park. He was a little bit out of his element, and so he was just uh, and started getting into the Michael Jackson moonwalk stuff. Yeah, I mean, Eddie's doing a lot. Of Eddie's those, great for lot that of, stuff. He was a great showman. Yeah, whenever Eddie Eddie commands attention, you know, whenever he's around, and no matter what trick he's doing, he got such style, so he does smooth have, that people just loved him. It, that, and, you know, it, he's just such a natural showman that people just gravitate towards him. You know, no matter what he did, he had such charisma. So it, he he could rest on that on on those laurels. You know, yeah. And me, I'm like, damn. I gotta, you know, I gotta get my 540s higher. Yeah, you know, Eddie, he didn't care about that stuff. Were you doing? Fu- did, that were, you, were you doing 540s when you hit hit those first contests? Uh, in Venice, I was doing 540s below the lip. Yeah, and then by the time Huntington came, I, I think I was doing them out. Because you're kind of known for one of the dudes, first dudes to start doing 540s high. You know, like yeah, yeah, four or five feet out. Yeah, I was doing them. I was trying to get out, and then. Um, 
I was getting out of my six foot ramp, but then when I got to the eight foot, I, I couldn't really it's do it. It's fully as much. different, yeah. yeah. And then I remember meeting Donovan Ritter at the Venice Con. I said, Oh, wait, I tell Mike, because he was like sponsored by Hutch at the time. Yeah, yeah. He's like, Wait, I tell Mike you're doing 540s up above the lip. He's like, He's going to freak out. He goes, He was only doing them down below. And I'm like, Oh, cool. That was good to hear, you know? Yeah. So, but then, so I'm sure as soon as Mike heard that I was doing them out, he started doing Cause, them. Because, yeah, I mean, you, I feel like in those mid 80s contests, it was you and Mike. Yeah. And there was sometimes you'd watch it and be like, Ooh, you guys get really scary on that eight foot ramp spinning yeah, those. They're things. not very wide. No. You know, <laughs> I think <laughs> those Ma- ramps are kind of yeah. They're... Mike did one at a uh, Texas contest. I think he's like eight or nine feet out, and oh, he he's... like comes in razor edge oh. on the side. There's nobody I like watching more than Mike Dominguez. He yeah. was my main like inspiration, and and as far as somebody that would push me, you know, because he just was he just always impressed me. There's very few writers where I was just awed by, but yeah. he, he was one of them. Definitely. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, who were the writers kind of that oh, you Oh, Mike, for sure. Mike. Mike, for sure. And I love Brian for his smoothness, but he just didn't have that intensity that Mike had, you know? Yeah. And Mike feels like, when you look at Mike, he has that look in his eye. Oh, he was... And he, I feel like, I mean, I've seen him ride a little older, but, you know, I, I've only got to see him in his, you know, craziness, like, on video, but it just feels like he had that click, like it would yeah. just click over and yeah. he'd just go, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was amazing. He had a real strong mind. Yeah. Like he, if he put his mind to something, he would do it. You know, it, it was just awesome. I always admired that. You know, so it was cool. Yeah, he was, he was awesome. He's, oh, my. Yeah, I don't know if he still rides or he, not. He, but no, I he, hope he, he does. He, he rides. Yeah, I mean, does I think he? just like anybody when they get older, it's just like, oh, well, I can, you know, A, do I have some buddies to go cruise with? Because yeah. that always makes it better. Yeah. You know, and then if your body's feeling good. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I, I know he was riding up to a year ago, you know, going oh, wow, cruise. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I think just like everybody, it's just like when you have time to get on your bike and right. if there's a ramp around that you actually like riding, yeah. you know, because that has a lot to do with Absolutely. it sometimes. So I hope I find some good places to ride down, down South. Cause I'm, I'm sure really you good. I mean, there's so many parks and stuff. You yeah. just got to find a good one. To, I guess if people listening don't know that I'm going to be moving to LA in a couple of weeks. So yeah. yeah well, that's... I know Vans has a, uh, if you can get in that, they have a uh, nine or 10 foot vert ramp at their place. At, at their at the Vans headquarters, at the Van yeah, and I see like Rick Thorne and a few of those. Not, not trying to throw anybody, but I see dudes riding that ramp. Okay. You know, okay. So, you know, well, I'll check it out. Yeah, for so. sure. Um, but yeah, so you're touring with GT and you're starting to hit the contests. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I, I, when I, I did a podcast with Eddie and he said those tours, like he goes, it, it seemed you know all gravy when you're like watching them through the magazine stuff. He goes, but they were a grind. He oh goes, yeah, he goes. Because okay. that was really hard work doing those oh, tours. Jeez, man, they just, we'd get these rental vans that would pull the trailer, and that you know it was summer. We're driving through Texas in July, and it was just 120 degrees, no air conditioning, and it's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. You know, and then showing up at places where it's that hot and still having to. Yeah, and then you got to show the next morning somewhere else, and you, you you know you barely find a hotel like at 12 you know 12 at night. You hardly get any sleep sometimes. Yeah, and yeah, it was it was pretty brutal, you know, but it was fun too. I mean, come on, that was a great experience. But what I liked about GT was out of all you know, except maybe Harl, out of all the companies they did the most in traveling as far as internationally so i got to go to france you know i got to go to england uh, you know canada mexico hawaii japan japan yeah. hong kong china macau oh you went to china oh yeah twice yeah wow and but i mean yeah. back in the 80s going to china was that was huge that i mean was I was, you couldn't believe it i'm out of high school just going wow i'm traveling the world man it yeah. was awesome you know and i even took it for granted a little bit like sometimes i go oh man i gotta go to france again because i think i went to france like three times yeah and i was kind of tired of it i was like oh, i gotta go again i would never say that now i would be like yeah i would jump at the chance you know but back then you get a little spoiled you get a little you know it takes up for granted and you know so 
I don't know. I just if I could do it over again, I definitely would have enjoyed it even more, and I would have probably you know just immersed myself in it even more. You know? Yeah. But you when got, you're a kid, you can you know. You got any good tour stories from back then? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, Ron, I mean, Ron, do you guys score? How many? A, how many times did you get in a wreck with the the van and the trailer? Yeah. Oh, geez. Well. I mean, I got no wreck with Ron Wilkerson. He, so is he, that the one I with the, rolled the van with everybody in it? Yeah, yeah I, was, I've heard that. I've heard that from like three. Yeah, that was Brian the stupidest told us about thing that ever. It was the stupidest thing ever. So it's was, I was just really good that nobody got got hurt. Yeah, because that one. I mean, it was really bad. Wasn't yeah, it? it was bad. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a lot worse though because nobody got hurt. But there was a toolbox that was full of tools that was in that van that was probably weighed about you know thirty pounds and that went tumbling around the whole van and luckily didn't take somebody's head off yeah because that could have killed somebody that that toolbox i remember that because i picked it up and i was like my god if this would have hit me in the head i'd be dead you know because it was flying around the inside i mean who was all in that van that time it was like you oh it was me ron uh, dennis mccoy uh chris dachi um a couple other people i can't remember now i think joe johnson might have been there was nori there i might have been nori too yeah a bunch of horror guys and and then me so basically a ton of icons from bmx could have just been gone yeah yeah. (laughs) and the story was a dog ran in front of the van yeah oh yeah yeah but But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, gosh, tour stories. Oh my gosh, it's just. How? I mean, nothing too incredible. It's not like we were rock stars or anything. I mean, you know. But it, you know, it was fun to. A lot of times it would just be stuff that's not too incredible. You just meet like a lot of times we'd meet people that were just so friendly. They invite you over to house for dinner, so we go over there, ride the ramp. Yeah. You know, just hang out. It was cool. You know, you. I mean, that's people. the cool thing about BMX is it's a you can go somewhere and you're you're friends with somebody. Yeah. The minute you meet them. Yeah. And you're just like. Hey. Yeah. Okay, we're chilling, you yeah. know? And yeah. it, it's cool when you do go to other countries because I think you get to see part of the culture that, you know, if you just go there as a tourist, you're not going to see. But right. people are going to actually take that, you know, open the door for you and bring you in and immerse you into things. Right. Because they already feel comfortable with you because you right. ride BMX bikes yeah. and so do they, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, you have, yeah, you have that bond for sure. Yeah. So. And you probably went, you went to England a lot for those early hole shot contests, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't do it a lot. I went to England twice. So, yeah, I did, I think, two. Well, I did one with a, was a tour, I think, and the other one was a whole shot contest. So, how, how were, I mean, how were those? Because I know that, you know, England's always been like gnarly vert dudes, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember the whole shot. I, I can't remember. It was a weird experience, that, that whole shot contest, because I wasn't, I think I wasn't feeling very good, and it was just a weird trip, and I didn't do very well. I didn't ride very well. I don't think I liked the ramps or anything. And so, I remember a couple riders were like, talking that oh he's overrated and this and that and you know it's just you can't you can't be on every every oh time. yeah yeah so, but but they don't there was no youtube back then there's no internet so it's not like the all they had to go by was what they saw that day yeah and, and so that was their impression yeah, of me i mean you know what i mean because you and see so, things in, and that's a funny thing about back then because you'd see things in the magazines you know yeah. and magazines compared to media nowadays it's all online so you see how it works but back then a magazine can make I mean, there were writers that were pro that you're like, this dude probably shouldn't have been pro, but they made him a rock star. Right. You know? Right. And, uh, I mean, I remember seeing tricks and you just didn't even comprehend how things worked yeah. to get into that trick because yeah. it's just a picture. It's just and a you picture. just sat there and stared at it. Yeah. The magazine, and you're like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you didn't have an older crew of better people around you to, to guide you, right. you were, it was just you and your buddies trying to figure stuff out, yeah. getting jacked. Yeah. Absolutely. So... so. But I, I used to love magazines. It's crazy that there's no... Is there no bike magazine exists now? There's... Is there... Is I think true? the only one... So Dig BMX usually does one yearly, like, that's really awesome, you mm-hmm. know? 
And then there's a comp- there's another magazine. I've only seen one of them called Endless, and I think that's out of I think it's out of England. Uh-huh. I should actually know. I feel really stupid not uh-huh. knowing. Um, I think those are really the only two. Uh-huh. You know, um, you know, it's kind of went. There's some dope. There's some really awesome zines like this Challenger mm-hmm. zine, and then you know, kind of like the internet. I mean, even like some websites that used to be awesome. Now everything's just so. You know, it went from mm. there'd be really cool websites like Def Grip and things that mm. were almost just like magazines or scenes where you could go get an article. Mm. And now it's even like, you know, just compressing it to where you're just flipping through your phone, mm. taking these things in, which is awesome at one point. But it is awesome to, you know, when you see an awesome photo that, you know, Spike shot or something back right. in the day or Windy and you just sit there. And, you know, like I said, like a magazine can make somebody a superstar. You could look at an amazing photo and the yeah. trick could be so basic, but the way yeah. the colors work and oh, everything. Yeah. Oh, it, it mesmerized made, by it. It made everything feel more artistic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you're like, this is art, you yeah. know? And I yeah. feel like a lot of pros, especially in the, the maybe yeah. late 80s, early 90s, really pushed that. Like mm-hmm. this, this is, you know, what I'm doing is an expression, Yeah. you know? And absolutely. it's, it, I think... Some, like we were talking about earlier, I'm going to sound like an old man, but you know, just some of the youth nowadays is missing out on that soul yeah. writing, you know, just, yeah. just yeah. appreciating those little things. And speaking of that, that was one of the things that I was just thinking this as you were talking. Um, that was kind of one of the things that kind of, I don't want to say drove me out of the sport, but kind of dampened my enthusiasm. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, because I, I, here I am, this kid that's reading this magazine, and oh, I want to be on this team, and I want to do this, and I want to travel. Well, all that came true, you know. Yeah. It all happened, and then it kind of got a little much. I was like, "Geez, you know, this is I'm I'm writing sometimes when I don't want to. I'm writing because I have to. It's my yeah. job, you know." And that started to kind of wear on me a little bit, and I'm not sure why. It probably shouldn't have. And if I could go back and do it over again, I don't think I would have let it bother me. I started getting a little jaded, and I started. It kind of took a little bit of the fun out of it for me, a little of the soul out of it, yeah. because I felt like I was just this corporate guy that had to represent this this corporation, and and they didn't even pay that well. The secretary that answered the phones at GT made more money, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. That's no, not a I joke. believe it. That's not a joke. Yeah, and uh, and I just didn't feel. And GT didn't allow you to get co-sponsors, so I couldn't get sponsored by Vans because they made their crappy shoes in Japan, these Dino shoes that were terrible. I got They had no I grip I at all, pair. and so I couldn't get a Vans sponsorship. I couldn't get a grip sponsorship. I couldn't get you know anything yeah. they wanted to control everything. where like if you did ride for haro at the time you could get you co- could get co-sponsors right and, like, you could make I, more money and cw exactly. I'm, I'm sure you know Redline, i think you could still get co-sponsorships right. yeah gt stuff. wanted to control everything and so yeah. you know and like i, I said earlier there's great things about gt yeah and and not you know, so great things yeah yeah the great things were they traveled a lot you got good exposure um they did good they, ads they did you know they did lots of tours they did great stuff like that but yeah as far as the money goes oh man they squeezed you yeah. hard you know and so i don't know i got a little jaded and it kind of you know, I just started getting a little like, why am I doing this? I'm not having fun anymore yeah. sometimes. You know, sometimes I would, but then sometimes I wouldn't. And so it just took that fun out of it yeah, and for I mean, me a little bit. A and lot so. of bike riding is just being with your friends. Yes. And just, just, up, just having a jam session, putting the radio on, I mean, just riding, you know. Like we talked about earlier, a lot of people thought you were from Camarillo. <laughs> and funny. I'm sure some of probably the best sessions back then were riding the, you know, the oh, infamous Camarillo. That right was now. great. Yeah. 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 I was living in, when I first moved to California, I lived with my grandparents actually, because I didn't have a place to live at first. So, and they were living in Laguna. So I lived with them for a little bit, but obviously you can't live with them forever. So I lived with a, a high school friend of mine in Fountain Valley, which is right near Huntington Beach, but there's no ramps. 
So yeah. all I was doing was flatland, and I couldn't ride ramps unless I was doing a show. And um, and so then Dino's like, "Hey, man, move up here." Was Dino on Dino at that time? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why don't I?" You know. So and did they already have? So whose ramp was that? Like you know, it was uh, Doug Randazzo's. Okay, okay, his ramp. On and his... Was it was it eight or nine feet tall? Uh, I think it was. Eight. Oh gosh. I want to say it was eight, but it could have been nine. I can't remember. I, I look was, at that ramp now, and I'm like, you know, as you kind of as you, you get a little older, it just it's so simple and it looks so fun. I'm like, you got a big deck, you're hanging out with your buddies, yeah. You just roll, roll in, hit a booter air. It's like come a, back. it's like, it's a like little, the lazy man ramp. Yeah, oh yeah, it's like a little mini mega ramp. You know, it's a roll in. It was really cool. You didn't have to pedal. Yeah, you, know? you and, just and get a good pump. Sometimes you have to scrub your speed because you're going too fast. Yeah. You know? So, um, but then he did build a half pipe too. There was a half pipe next yeah. to it, wasn't it? That wasn't next. It was on a different. I think he his family sold that property, so that ramp got tore down, and he built a half pipe on his okay. other property. But by that time, I only rode that for a couple months, and I ended up moving back down to Huntington Beach. So, who was kind of the Camarillo crew? Because I feel like that was kind of an iconic well doug was a huge part of it because he had the ramps yeah he rode for what cw or i thought it was a red line he didn't really he wasn't much of a rider he didn't ride too much okay he was was a facilitator okay you know he was like you know he was the one that had the ramp and he was the one that got everybody he's like a scene builder right he's a scene builder and those are important people oh they're very important yeah (laughs) and and yeah and he was just the guy that got everybody together you know yeah he was he was the the original and then it was um todd anderson who's who's amazing who's amazing yeah super smooth i feel like todd's kind of when it comes to vert riding todd's way more underrated than he should he is he is he was so he was he still rips he still rips. He rides still. Up. Dude, he was up in Portland last year and was riding one of the parks. He still rides a coaster. He still no way. He you know, if he ain't That's if there's awesome. a good quarter, I know he can still rip that. But he'll be hitting a Bubica bar spins and like dude, he's yeah. just so smooth. He was good at bar spins oh. way back then. He yeah. was one of the first that did yeah. bar spins. Yeah. Doing bar spins and like all yeah. the not he, bar spin airs, but more like a bar tech spins stuff. and yeah. Kick, I mean uh, he was kick turn bar he, spins and stuff like he that. He could rip know? like you know, because he did good in the early two hip street contest, like on the street spines. Oh, yeah, he really, yeah. He's just yeah, he's he's so sick. He had a real original style. When definitely. you saw him right, you knew who it was. Oh, definitely, you definitely. Know? Yeah, those, those overclick lookbacks and stuff. Where the, and him and Dino standing on their co- coaster oh, brakes. Yeah, the coaster brakes, <laughs> man. The coaster brakes. If you're goofy footed and you have a coaster brake and you don't have a good look back, I feel sorry. For yeah, you. <laughs> I know it's tailor made, right? You better stand on that thing and lock it up yeah, and yeah. just twist it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it was basically yeah, Doug, Todd, and then Dino DeLuca, obviously. Yeah. You know, he was, and then he was my roommate when I moved to Cal- uh, Camarillo. We lived in his. Uh, his mom's condo nice and um yeah it's funny i lived in his i stayed in his mom's room and dino had his the room that he was always in um and his mom i don't i don't really know his mom very well but she must have been quite a quite a quite a lady yeah because i came in there and she had a big old four by eight mirror (laughs) (laughs) i mean this was a massive mirror and it was framed and it was wired to the ceiling and uh, i had a water bed underneath it oh the water the water bed can you believe that and, that sounds uh, you just it sounds so 80s yeah oh dude and the, the the walls had mirrored tiles with bamboo imprinted <laughs> on them it, oh it looked like a 70s porn set is what it looked like honestly and when i was on tour doug and his girlfriend filmed the porno in my room <laughs> and showed it to me <laughs> 
That's my fellow. Because they, <laughs> they, they wanted to do it. I don't know why, just because of the way the room is decorated. But they the also mirrors. wanted to get at me. You know, like, uh, we filmed the porno in your bed. You they're, know. they're like, hey, come here and watch this. Yeah, they did. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So, but it was awesome. One time, I, I was sleeping in the morning, and uh, I woke up to the whole room shaking because we had an earthquake. Yeah. And I looked up above me, oh, and this big, gigantic mirror that probably weighed at least 100 pounds was vibrating violently right above my head. Did you get out of the bed? I ro- I, you never saw anybody get out of the bed so fast. I rolled ninja-style right out of my bed, because I thought that mirror was going to come crashing down. That would have fucked you up. Oh, I'd have been like jigsaw. And you'd been covered jigsaw. in water. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, probably would have punctured the bed. Blood and water. Luckily, the mirror never came down. They had it wired up pretty good. But that thing, Oh, that... That was scary. Yeah, I was, I was in an earthquake once in California, <laughs> and coming from up here, when that happens, like I was at the Odyssey Warehouse, and I ran out to the parking lot, which you're not supposed to do, but you know, I'm an idiot. Like, yeah. I run out the parking lot, and literally, the parking lot was rolling like waves. The pavement? Yeah. Yeah, and I was just, that. like, it made me feel like I was like in a different yeah. dimension. Like, yeah. I was just like... It, yeah. That that was it was intense. Like yeah. it, it messed with my brain just yeah. looking at it. Yeah, it's earthquakes are intense, aren't they? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I was working at a Porsche dealership when we had. I worked at a Porsche dealership when I left GT, and uh, I was in the back, and uh, there was those big dumpsters, those green dumpsters. Yeah. We had an earthquake, and that just shot across the parking lot because <laughs> of the the shock waves. Yeah, and it just and it was full. It was heavy. Yeah, and, and it, it, just, it, just, started, it, it just, just started made, rolling on its own. I was it like, just makes yeah. you feel so insignificant. <laughs> oh You're just God. like, I'm nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. I mean, gosh, dude. Yeah, earthquakes are intense. You ever felt an earthquake? One time. They are intense. Yeah. Are. But it was in Oregon, so it wasn't very yeah. oh. I was just like, why are the lights? Yeah, I felt moving? I felt a little no. in here, but the yeah. one I felt in California was big enough to where I saw the ripples and yeah. I was like no. <laughs> um, intense. So one thing about Camarillo ramp and I always ask people that wrote it, McCoy always says, because you know it was famous for the height pole yeah. and everything. Yeah. He he's like He's convinced that that height, those every foot was like seven inches on it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't verify. That. I bet I've been around him where he's always trying to get to the bottom of it. He's like, he, well, the tape was pretty thick, so if you go just the space in between, it might have been. But if you go from the bottom of the tape to the top of the tape, it was probably a foot. He's always convinced. But, he's like, he's like, I don't, I don't think. He goes, that thing was lined. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is look at the person standing next to it. Most people. Well, that's why he 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 always bring up some picture. He's like. I know how tall... It was like Todd or somebody standing there. He goes, I know how tall he is, and he's not (laughs) (laughs) 6'5". Hey, it may have been off. I don't know. I never measured it. I know. It's just a funny thing to bring up, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, well, let's talk... I feel like one of the contests that you... Which is the the contest you won? The Velodrome one? Yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that that was a gnarly contest for a time. Was that 86 or 87? I think it was 87. Yeah, it might have been 87, yeah. And it was kind of like you and Mike battling it out, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And happened. they had the channel and everything. Yeah, that was a cool contest. Yeah. I so, liked the, there was a few velodrome contests, but no, that was a that was a good one. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah, would you think that was kind of like... I mean, that was like right before the half-pipe contest started hitting. Yeah, that was before two-hip. Yeah. yeah. Which one, What did you kind of prefer? Do you like? Did you like riding the vert? I mean, you did good in the vert contest too. I did okay. I didn't really. I, I felt like I was more of a quarter pipe guy because I grew up kind of riding quarter pipes, and I was kind of more, you know. And then half pipes were all right. I was just never that comfortable on them. I mean, I just it wasn't my strength, you know. Yeah. The pumping and the the, the con- consistent riding, and I wish I would have got better at half. I wish I would have ridden them more because yeah. I would have gotten a lot better at them. But I don't know. I was more of a 
quarter pipe guy. You know, I did a lot of tours for GT with quarter pipes and. Um, and I, yeah, if you think about it, a lot of the GT dudes, you know, you look at yeah. even Volker and stuff. It's like yeah, it's you know, it's quarter pipe. So I was used to pedaling, doing an air, and then that was it. Yeah, you know, just to do air to air, wall to wall. That's tough. You know, it's not as easy as it looks. You know, yeah. it really isn't. And so I just didn't spend as much time on half pipes as I probably should have. You know, so I wasn't that great at two hip. I don't even think I ever won a two hip contest. I might have, but I can't remember. But uh, AFA, I was very comfortable with that. You know, because yeah. I it was just my kind of my thing. So that was the only chance I had at beating Mike was at a quarter pipe. Contest. Yeah, in a half fight, he had me. You know, it was pretty much it. You know, but um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Mike really translated from the cement skate park to the quarter pipe, and then yeah, to the so, did, so did Brian. They yeah, Brian. Did, yeah, Brian did great. You know? Yeah, so yeah, it was just their thing. So, um, but. Yeah, I mean, the Veldrome contests were cool. They were fun. Yeah. You know, we'd have fakie contests. That's like the peak of AFA, don't you feel like? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, they had their big, they had a bunch of co-sponsors, Saco and all these other yeah. sponsors that were unusual because they didn't really have those, um, you know, independent, like, AFA contests didn't have a lot of support. It was yeah. just Bob doing it on his own. They had a little bit of support, but it wasn't as, you know, yeah, he, he was barely holding that thing together, you know? I don't do you, think he made any money. Do you think <laughs> was eighty seven? Do you think for the eighties, the peak of BMX freestyle? Like I would say, like yeah, the 80s. biggest contest. Like yeah, it had to have been eighty seven. Yeah, going into eighty. Maybe some was, of the dudes were making you know the biggest, the most money in eighty seven. Probably yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I could just feel you could just feel the sport where it was headed. You could just feel it. What was happening? The support and the kind of the like feeling it getting bigger, or no, it felt no. felt like it was about to pop. Yeah, about to pop. Like in '88, heading into '89, I could feel it. You yeah, know, just the the and plus my own enthusiasm. So it was kind of weird. The sport was kind of declining and my own enthusiasm for the sport was declining at the same time. Yeah. Which is weird. Which wasn't true for a lot of people like Dave and, and you know, Matt Hoffman and those guys were as well, hungry as Hoffman's ever. Hoffman's like the generation after you though, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Because he, he didn't turn pro until after I retired. He turned so. pro in 88? He turned pro at the 88 finals. I remember he won okay. AM and they turned pro. I was on my way out right there. And then he won the pro contest. Yeah. That big, it was that big two hip contest that was inside that was all rock starry. It was Irvine or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And I think, but Matt, I would say Matt's like the generation, you know, I'd say it's like. He bridged the gap for you sure. You and Mike D were battling. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Matt kind of came in. You he could have he could have rode pro back then. Oh, he definitely. I don't know why he didn't. When he was on Skyway, he right. he could have rode pro. Why didn't he? I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird. Well, I mean, help. it could have been like the sponsors. You know, like sponsors were weird. They could have been like, no, you're not going to turn pro yet. Yeah. You know. And even Dave and Dino could have turned pro back then, and they didn't for some reason. I mean, I the yeah. pro class wasn't very big. Dino actually was he was am for quite a, some a long, long time, time, and so was Dave. Yeah, you know, and I don't know why. The whole time I rode for GT, those guys were all. I would think I was the only pro ramp rider on GT. You know, and then they most people don't remember they sponsored Joe Johnson, and he was a pro ramp Who, GT? GT did, yeah. Really? Yep. And that was right when I retired. As soon as they got Joe Johnson on the team, I said, okay. When, when did you – I mean, I know we're skipping ahead and stuff, but f- – fuck it, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, when did you – like, I, get, I mean, it's weird to say retiring because you're just like, well, I, you know, it's like I know you still rode, but like – when did you like? Yeah. When did the GT thing come to the end? Well, I had a meeting with GT, and I said, "Hey, you know, you guys, um, these contests are not really. I'm not really feeling these contests. They're getting crazy. The moves are getting nuts. You know, it's. I, I'd, I'd rather just do shows. I, I like doing shows. It, yeah. was, it was fun. You know, the the crowd and everything. It was really cool. You could just ride within yourself. You didn't have to prove anything. You know, contests were like, oh my god, it's like a big dick measuring contest. Who can go the highest? Who can do the highest 540? Who can do the? You know, who can do the newest? You know, well, and BMX then, was moving so fast. 
fast. It was, and it's great, and it should. That's the evolution. That's how sports evolve. Okay, so that's the way it should happen. I wasn't trying to rally against that. I was yeah. like, just not. I didn't want to be a part of it. I was like, okay, I'm kind of my writing is going to kind of stop right here. I'm not going to evolve any more past this. I don't feel comfortable going past this, and so I'm going to stay right here, kind of like Eddie did. Just do shows. Just be an ambassador for the company. Yeah. Nope. They said nope. If you don't do contests, you're not going to be sponsored. I said, okay, bye. What, what year was that? It was probably right at the end of 88. Okay. I right. remember the Matt Hoffman versus Josh White. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably right around that. Yeah, and then that magazine, <laughs> and then I waited for the next issue to come out, and then they canceled it. They canceled the they magazine. They canceled yeah. it, so the results never came out. Yeah. Josh White versus Matt White. <laughs> but when they sponsored Joe Johnson, I said, Here, he's your contest guy. He's doing tail whips. He's hungry. He's younger than me, you know, by a couple years. But anyway, and I said, I just want to do shows. Can I just do shows? And then he can do the contest and then whatever. They said, no, that's not going to work. We need you to do contests. It's important for our brand. Yada, yada, yada. I said, okay, I don't want to ride anymore. And they said, oh, okay. Uh, they didn't even try to talk me out of it. They're like, fine. Uh, we got Joe now. So, um, you know, kind of, it was just kind of unceremonious. Well, no, Joe got, so Joe was on Haro and then he went to GT. Yeah. Okay. So I, when you said that earlier, I got so mixed up there. I was like, yeah, yeah, Har- because he was he on Haro forever. Yeah. And Brian Blythe was sponsored by GT. I yeah, well, that, GT sponsored everybody at one point. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah. And then Joe wasn't even on GT that long. No, he, he left there, two, two more years, you know, yeah, like, yeah, it wasn't much. Um, so 88. I remember, I mean, you're talking about like where you're peaking out, but I mean, your peak at that time was pretty, nar- I mean, you were doing like, you know, with five, you were one of the early 540 variation guys, like doing yeah. Can-Can XF 540s. Uh, yep. Can-Can XF 540s. I did a, in, in my last, I think it's my last AFA contest that I remember. I did a one, I did a one-handed Can-Can 540 and pulled it. That's. In competition. Yeah. Which I was, I was impressed myself. I was like, dang, that's pretty cool. You know? And I, I, as far as I remember, that was my last AFA contest I ever entered. And then I remember you doing, I feel like you did really good at that Flint, Michigan contest with the skull on the ramp. Yeah, that was early in my, what, what year was that? That, that was 88. Oh, was it really? Well, they did it one in 87 on a blue ramp, but they had that skull ramp. That's the one I remember. You know, and I think a bunch of dudes came over from England and stuff oh, and rode yeah. that. But I, I remember you did pretty good in that one too, you know? Yeah. So, uh-oh, the phone. Hey, where's airplane mode? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's kind of how my exit from GT happened. And then I actually ended up working for GT, believe it or not, just in the warehouse, just because I needed money. And they hired, I don't even know what I was doing. I was just like, I can't remember what I was even doing. I only lasted a few months. And then I was like, then um, I met this guy who was a like a regional sales manager for Porsche North America. Yeah. And so he got me a job at the Porsche dealership in Newport Beach, driving the cars. So I was driving Porsches and I, there was also a Rolls Royce, Bentley, and Lamborghini. So I was driving Bentleys and Rolls and Lamborghini Countaches and stuff. I was like making you know minimum wage, but who cares? I was driving these you know three hundred thousand dollar cars, and so that was awesome. So I did that for a while. So this was a year my foray from pro bike rider to regular working Joe. You did, know? Do, do, was it weird at the time? It or? was. It was weird, but it was. I was happy with it. You know, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't look back. I didn't. I didn't say, oh, I wish I was still riding. I didn't. You know. And then Eddie called. I uh, hadn't ridden in a year, and Eddie called and said, "Hey, Vans got a team, you know." The promotion I, tours, yeah, right? the promotion tours. And I, you know, got Scott Freeman. Let's do some tours. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do some shows. You know, and you got you guys all got bikes from Bully. Got bikes from Bully, and that's when I started riding again. And so that lasted a couple of years, and that was well, like two years. But you were back to touring and just kind back of having to touring, fun with your having friends. Having fun, yeah. We were going to like amusement parks, and we were going all over the country, you know. And Vans was it was Vans was the main sponsor, you know. Yeah, Bully was like a co-sponsor. Yeah, and uh, and that was fun, man. That was awesome. It and was did, really did it kind cool. of. Did you kind of? I mean, you know, it's like when you look at bike riding, especially when you get older and you look back. I mean. 
Were you like, oh, did you miss it? Were you like, oh, there's this thing again that I, yeah. like an old friend or something? Yes, I totally missed it. And, and the, I remember the ramp. It was more, probably the best quarterback I had ever ridden. It was a steel-framed plexiglass ramp that hung on the side of the trailer. And it was, and oh, the, I think the I've whole seen top it. of the yeah. trailer was the platform, and it was the one of the best ramp quarter pipes I ever rode. So when I was riding for Van, I was doing some my best riding. Yeah, I was doing just. But it was, it was like awesome. probably one of the deadest times in BMX. Right. What was that like ninety maybe? Yeah, we weren't even riding for BMX crowds. It was just amusement park crowds, schools, you know, just people that weren't. I saw one of the the first show I saw was a promotion tour. Really, it was. But you know, you didn't know which one you were getting because there was two teams. I think you, Eddie, and. Uh, Scott. Scott were the bigger team. And then there was uh, Todd. I saw Todd. Um, that was before me. Oh, I replaced Todd. Oh, did you? Yeah. Because I saw Todd. Him, Todd and Eddie had a falling out. Well, I saw Todd and uh, who were the other two? Uh, Jeff Cotter. Because oh, he yeah. was doing the backflips. Yep. yep. And then. Um, I never rode with Jeff, though. We were talking. I'm having a brain fart right now. Uh, who would you get the dyno from? Who did I get it from? Danny Hubbard? Yeah. So it was, it was Todd Anderson, Danny Hubbard, and Jeff Cotter is who I saw. Oh, okay. And it was like, maybe that was like 91, 92. Okay. So maybe, so maybe, okay. So, so then, it may have been the tail end of the band's mode. So I think, yeah. And then Eddie was doing stuff with, with Danny too and Jeff. Yeah. But then I guess uh, Danny and Eddie were, their personalities didn't clash. So that's why Eddie wanted to start his own team. Okay. And that's when Scotty and I came in. Okay. So there was two teams, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think at first there was one team. Yeah, because I, I remember and, I was looking at the magazine and they had the, you know, they'd have the ads for the, the mm-hmm. tours. And I was like, it said Bend, Oregon. And I was like, that's 40 minutes away. You know, nothing like that happened in Central Oregon. Yeah. And, you were like, <laughs> and the funny thing is, is Jerry broke his ankle that day with us. Oh, wow. We went dirt jumping after the show, and uh, he uh, broke his ankle. Oh, man. So That's brutal. Yeah. So I rode for a couple couple years with bands, um, and then that kind of... I'm not sure exactly why or how that ended, but... Um, I ended up moving back to Oregon and not owning a bike, uh, working construction um, from about 92 to 94. Danny Hubbard calls me out of the blue and said, hey, let's go on tour. Got this big tour scheduled. I was getting sick of construction. I was like, okay, sounds great. I hadn't touched a bike in two years, but I'm, 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 I'm game. Oh, wait, so what did you say? That was like 94? That was 94. Yeah. N- hence the 94 dyno. So um, I flew down to L.A., uh, Danny got that bike for me. Um, what, did you feel weird getting a GT, like a GT branded? Yeah, bike? I was wondering why it was a dyno instead of a GT, and but I didn't really care. I was kind of glad to get a dyno because I'd never really ridden one before, and I was like, oh, cool, something different, you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, it was weird that they gave me the dyno. Maybe it was just they had overstock or something. Yeah. Who knows? It was just like, oh yeah, give them that. You know, it was just laying around the warehouse. Who knows? But so I, I liked it. I loved the bike. So it was yeah. great. So I started learning how to ride again on tour because I hadn't ridden in two years, and so you know, I had to the the. First First two, uh, show we did, I probably was doing four foot airs, and then by the a couple weeks later, I was doing eight foot airs. How, how old were you at this time? I was uh, well, I was ninety four. So if I said, so you were like 27? Tw- yeah, twenty seven. Yeah, late twenties. About yeah. ten. I graduated in ninety four, so I was seventeen. So. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you've been like about twenty. It's yeah, funny because you look back, not washed up by any means. No, because you're <laughs> like God. Imagine being twenty. I mean, twenty seven. You're like you're at the peak of like. Yeah, being a, you know, right. But like BMX back then, it's like you you get to twenty seven or something, and it just seemed ancient. Yeah, yeah. you know, and now especially, you, especially when I hadn't ridden in so long. Yeah, you know, I uh, you know, so I hadn't ridden. Well, two years isn't that long, I guess, compared to now. It's been twenty five years, and you just started and kind I of just started kind of riding recently. You know, and, and a very limited amount, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I'd only probably if you added all the minutes together I rode before I took those pictures with Chris. Yeah, you, it might be an hour. Yeah. 60 minutes in the last 25 years. 
Okay, that's not very much time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, I mean, that's that's crazy, actually. <laughs> did you ever, like, like after you did those tours with Danny, like, how long did those tours last with Danny when you were doing the tours with that That dad? was a big tour. Oh, my gosh. that was We were gone probably at least six weeks, if not longer. Uh, that was coast to coast. We went all the way to the East Coast, all the way through the South. We were doing three shows a day at three different schools. Yeah. So it was brutal. So it was you, Danny, and... And Andrew Royal. Okay. He was the Flatlander. And he was probably really young at that time, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was just out of high school, I Yeah. Think. Um, and uh, so we were riding, and I was having a great time. I was having fun. I was riding good and everything, um, feeling myself a little too much, I guess, one time. And I, I it was about three quarters of the way through the tour. We had about another week and a half, two weeks to go. And I did a 540 pretty dang high, but it was one of our early morning shows. We were doing shows like 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. Because okay? we had an 8 o'clock show. We had like a, a 12 o'clock show and like a 3 o'clock show at three different schools. Okay, and so it was brutal. Um, so this was an early morning show, and I did a 540. It was really high. It was probably about six feet out, which is high on an eight-foot ramp. Yeah, especially okay. when it's eight feet wide. Right. So I shouldn't have been doing stuff like that for sixth graders. I should have just been doing four-foot 540s, and yeah. they would have been just as impressed. But I was riding for myself you know, at that point. And so anyway, I hung up, separated my shoulder, uh, didn't finish the tour on the bike. I finished on the mic. Yeah. And uh, when I got home, I was like, that's it. I'm done. This is, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing riding for peanuts. You know, you're making like a hundred bucks a show. I was like this, I know I separated my shoulder. I'm like, I'm done. That's it. And so I sold my bike to Chris, my dyno and hadn't ridden since to this day, really, or yeah. to this, to this the to, last couple months. Yeah. And so, and that was it. That was my, that was my career. I put it on the shelf and that was, and didn't look back because I could see where the sport was headed anyway. You know, it was like, I didn't even recognize the sport when I saw it on the X Games and stuff. It was already starting to evolve past what I could comprehend. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was already, it was getting into the circus tricks and stuff. And I'm like, I have no future in this sport anyway. So why, why pursue it? You know, and I should have just rode for fun and rode for myself and just, uh, but I didn't, I don't, I don't know why I didn't. Something in my head just, well, I mean, and didn't. but at that time, did you, how many people around you other than Chris Nobody. were really riding? Nobody. You know, because Chris, I mean, that's what about the same 94 ish is when we were riding yeah. together. Yeah, but he was riding. What the funny thing is, is like if, if you would have came out to like the 30 trails or, you know, because the Oregon scene, I feel like in 89 kind of died really hard. Uh-huh. And then, you know, around 94, I feel like the 30 trails really built it up. You know, it's like imagine if Josh would have been out the trails with like Dave, Tom mm-hmm. and like all of us just riding some dirt jumps. Yeah. Just being, you know, just. Oh, they would have loved it. I can remember saying. Yeah, but it would have been great. Just, you know, you'd have been like, oh, a bunch of. Just Oregon kids out here just riding some jumps. and See, what took my attention away from freestyle is I've always had other interests. And so I was still really into kickboxing. So I I got back into that with my original instructor. And I was training really hard. And then I also started really heavily getting into snowboarding. Yeah. I was doing backflips. I was doing cliff jumps. Which, was, were you was, right, snowboarding with Jerry and stuff? Uh, no, I never really snowboarded Jerry too much. Yeah. But the couple times that I did, he he rode like a, a little freestyle. He did little freestyle tricks. Yeah. You know, I was a free rider. Right? Yeah. I would jump cliffs. No, I, I went s- to Alaska and jumped 40-foot cliffs. Yeah. I mean, you know? I, I, I mean, I've been snowboarding since like 89. Yeah. Because I grew up, you know, we in the winter in Central Oregon, we just skipped school and scalp tickets for Bachelor. Yeah. So we were just, I mean, it's great when you live here yeah. and you can't ride your bike. Yeah. You go up to the mountain, you yeah. know. So, and in right, and I can't say that competed with riding because it's a different time of year, obviously. Yeah. And it's but, a whole different feel, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
I took right to it. I, I like the thing I like about snowboarding is you're up in the mountain, you're with the trees. Yeah. Oh. And it's 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 a different it's I a different love. feel. I you know, I, when I started snowboarding, I was like, this is I love this sport more yeah. than anything. Now to me, it's just a hobby. I go up every once in a while. You know, we couple, went, couple times we a went year. This year, yeah. Or was it last season? Yeah. So yeah, Jerry I do up the there. Yeah. yeah, I do the same thing. I just want to go up. I don't even jump anymore. I just want to cut some turns. Yeah, just turn and have fun. See the mountain. Yep. Yep. Enjoy it with the lift time with your buddy. Yep. You know. But yeah, back when I first started riding though, uh, snowboarding, I, I would treat I treated it like freestyle. I, yeah. I needed to do five forties. I needed to do big airs. I needed to do backflips. I needed to do you know. And, and so I was pushing myself. You know, it wasn't like I ever wanted to compete. I just did it because it was an outlet. Yeah, it was something for me to get my. I wasn't riding freestyle, so it had to go somewhere. Right? Yeah, and so and then for some reason, I just never turned my attention back to freestyle. I don't know why. How long? How long did you pursue? So you got really serious about the kickboxing thing, though. Serious in a way where I didn't necessarily want to compete because there was really no money in it back then. Um, UFC was just evolving and just starting. Were you paying attention to those early and I was, uh, Yeah, I watched the very first fight on, on uh, pay-per-view. Oh, wow. The very first What's one. that, like 1990 or something? Or was it? God, yeah, I think so. It was, uh, yeah, where was that? That was... Yeah, at least that, that's what it was least. crazy when you just see a big fat dude out there. Yeah, it was, it was like blood sport. Yeah, like. was, there was no weight classes. No, yeah. there, was, there was no round time limits, so it was open ended. It was just a free for all. Yeah, I mean, there was one round I saw it was thirty minutes long. One round. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you can't sell that. It wouldn't yeah. be as popular as it was today. That's why when they sold it to the current uh, to the people who own it now they changed the sport you yeah know, they put rounds weight class there was no weight classes there's no you know there was, <laughs> well i just remember when i'd see that stuff back there there was like this big fat dude that was yeah. like docking everybody yeah. out and they wanted to do that because they wanted a contrasting style they put this big yeah. sumo guy up against a karate guy who's yeah. gonna win you could finally see who was yeah you know, who was better karate wrestling kickboxing yeah. Yeah. boxing yeah. who yeah. So that took my attention away, and so for some reason I never had an influence where hey let's let's ride let's go, yeah. and, I, and I didn't want to anyway. I didn't have the, the desire for Were some you, reason. Did you feel kind of beat up? I mean, from injuries or anything? no? I I no, I was physically fine. Yeah, I've had very few injuries in my life. You just know, very, the shoulder ones kind of. The shoulder was I maybe I just don't handle injuries very well. You yeah, because that's nothing compared to what a lot of people experience. My yeah. God, Matt Hoffman, imagine <laughs> imagine if he. You know, was afraid of injuries. He, he would have stopped riding years ago. Yeah. You know, so um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. Honestly, but I'm not sure. It's I, I have no I have no answer for you. Yeah. What what did? I, but then recently, you know, with Dave Volker and then Ben at GT, they're kind of they, they you know when Ben sent me that bike, kind of out of the blue, just that cruiser, that, just a cruiser, that big cruiser. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh wow. And so I started riding it just for cardio. I started yeah. riding it because my doctor said, "Hey, you got high blood pressure. You better kind of monitor that." I hate doing cardio at the gym. Oh, it's I hate work, doing yeah. um, you know stairmasters and treadmills and stuff. So I said, "Oh, I'm going to use this as my cardio." So I started. That's riding. actually a good bike for it. A big twenty nine. It's a great yeah. bike for it. Yeah, and it's got a, a gear that's just perfect. It makes you work just hard enough. Well, I started riding down the bike trail, and then I started riding right by Ashton Skate Park, and I'm like, "Huh." So I started kind of watching the kids, you know. Where, did you see some BMX dudes in there? Uh, there was not a lot, but there was a couple. Mostly yeah. it's scooters and skateboards. Yeah. But I just sit there and kind of go, hmm, hmm. So after two or three times going by, which I didn't even rolled in, I just watched and then left. And uh, I finally rolled in and said, oh. And slowly but surely, I started doing airs. Mm-hmm. And after which about- just seems insane. When I saw that photo <laughs> of you doing the air in the talent bowl on that 29-inch bike, I was... 
It seems crazy on those wheels. Yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. I don't want to think about it too much because it is kind of crazy. I'm surprised I even did it. But I wanted to show Ben, hey, you didn't send me this bike for no reason. You're going to ride it. Yeah. I'm going to ride it. Yeah. I'm going to actually make use of it. And I have. Believe it, me, I've do, ridden it Do you it feel like lot. you're just having, just riding for fun? For fun, like back in the day. Yeah. Know? And uh, which which I did a little bit when I first left GT. I got a Robinson and I started riding that. I got a S and M. Because you're you're in the Ultimate Weekend vi- video that Steve Emig made. Uh huh. I mean, I brought that up, and you're like, yeah. I'm in it. Like, yeah, yeah. But I, you're riding S and M in it. Yeah, and I remember I had an S and M. I had a Robinson because to me it brought me back to my roots. You know, back to the dirt jumping days and just the simple. I didn't have any pegs on it. It wasn't a freestyle bike. It was just have fun. Bike. It was just a bike. It was just a bike. Just like, you know, it was just like, oh, I needed this, you know, yeah. I'm not being paid to do this. I don't have to do this. I don't, you know, I'm not under any pressure. And so that was cool. And uh, too bad that feeling didn't last, you know. I mean, of course, I did ride after that. I did two, you know, the Eddie tour and the Dan tour. I did two. But, um, to me, that was going back to my roots. And so that was what that was. Did all you about. like that day you went out to the, the 30 trails with? With Chris, I mean, that's kind of just going back to your roots. Yeah, it was. And, you know, not that I was much of a dirt jumper anyway. It wasn't really my specialty. Um, I mean, it it was when I was younger, but I didn't really ride dirt. When I was riding on GT, I never touched dirt, ever, ever. It was just half pipes and quarter pipes. That was it. You know, I was kind of a specialist. I mean, do you think that tuning you into that kind of took away just the fun aspect? Like, you're just like, oh, I just want to go ride dirt with my buddy. Yep. Well, one thing... I remember maybe it was an early interview when people in one of the magazines you you said you considered yourself more of a flatlander. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's always stuck with you. It was like, a joke. It was a joke. Oh, it was a joke. <laughs> well, it was, it, it was it was half a joke actually because um, at the time it was the Oak Street ramp that I was riding. Yep. Well, it got beat up. It had one layer of plywood, so it was getting holes, holes in, it. in it. It was getting rained on, and it was getting beat up, and it wasn't that much fun to ride anymore. Yeah, you know, it was like I didn't even enjoy riding it really, and you know I didn't have any money to to fix it or whatever, and I didn't have the motivation, so. I I would just start riding flatland more than more, you know. Were you riding with Gavin at that time? Yeah, yeah, riding with Gavin or just myself or just yeah. the neighborhood kids. You know, usually the kids were younger and stuff. They'd follow me around and and we'd learn tricks up in the bank parking lot by the, yeah. by the co-op, and we'd ride there. And that's why when I came down to um, and did the photo session. I, I was like, guys, you know, I haven't even ridden a half pipe in a long time or a ramp very, I, I ride ground more often. I'm probably consider myself a ground rider more, yeah. you know, and I was just joking. And they love that. Oh, that that quote, I think that quote stuck with you forever. Oh, they loved it. Yeah, oh, that's haunted me, actually. That's, <laughs> that's really haunted me. But they thought it was a cool contrast because they put that over these pictures of me riding, and it was like such a... You yeah, know, that was like... Was it, <laughs> what, what, were you riding the ramp that was at Wizard that day? Yeah, the yeah. TOL. TOL, yeah. Love. <laughs> Which was a, you know, that wasn't a greatest ramp. It was small, undervert, you know, eight-foot ramp that was undervert. So. But it was at the magazine, so it you could go there. It was at the magazine. I, you know, that photo session... Bob Osborne, Oliver Osborne, Wendy Osborne, all the Osbornes were there, you know. And so you're I, just some kid from like, Oregon. Some kid from Oregon, oh my God. <laughs> I, and so I was like pulling all the stops, you know. Yeah. You know, that's why I did the one hand, one footed X up. And I think you no, had like no one foot Grizz. One foot Grizz. Yeah, well, Grizzes are one foot, but um, oh, I did that. Got me with that. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as a Grizz without one You're foot. like, it's a Hannah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a otherwise it's a Hannah. It's, it's exactly. a Hannah. <laughs> That Grizz Air you posted, it was awesome, dude. I, was, I don't think I've ever seen I that I think that's picture. from the Velodrome is contest, it? yeah. God, I was like, dang, man, I don't even remember that picture. That's great. Those screen grab posted. it, screen grab it. Dude. I posted that one foot X up through, uh, 542. Yes. I mean, one foot X. The it's Can-Can a- X up.
Thank you all for listening. Uh, I appreciate it very much. Like I said, we're going to be coming at you hopefully here soon with a part two to this interview. So if you didn't get the first part of a little message I left at the beginning, we're going to be doing a part two with Josh to kind of make up for what got cut off here at the end. And then uh, keep paying attention because we are going to be dropping our Jason Ends podcast hopefully in the near future. Um, so follow Stink Bite BMX or Dig BMX, and that'll keep you up to date on things. Until next time.